I've titled my message by a phrase that has many meanings depending on how you say it. Do you know that words by themselves have meaning, but then tone can change a word, right? And my message title this morning, we'll put it up on the screen. Let's see how you would say it. How would you say this? Production, help me. How would you say that phrase? You could either say it in an exciting way. What happened to you? Or you could say it in a, how did you get broken? What happened to you? Or you can say it in a testimony way. You won't believe what happened to me. I want to talk to you today about that idea, what happened to you. To get you there though, I'll tell you a little personal uh, embarrassing story because that's my way uh, uh, on, on how to land you on this topic. M- uh, many years ago, um, I was, uh, d- during this time of year, maybe a little bit later, June, June uh, even, uh, out in the Mediterranean, uh, uh, which is where my family is from, and it, the summers there can get to 45 degrees Celsius uh, in the morning. There's almost no difference between morning and evening. It's just one continuous oven. You sort of slow roast over time, which is why we're such fans of spices. And I had gone to lunch with some family. And at the time, I don't do this anymore because I'm a grown-up. But I ordered a, a, at the time I was a big fan of Sprite. And I'm referencing them without any paid sponsorship. But I'd had a Sprite and uh, drank it in almost one one gulp. And I I have no drinking history. And and then a few moments later, I ordered a second one and drank it in one gulp. And when I put my hand up to order the third one, my wiser and older uncle said, before I could get the words out, said, he'll have water. I, at that stage, thought it was because he was paying for the lunch (laughs) and decided that's enough now. But when the waiter left, he said a phrase that has marked my life. Funny how somebody, without having to preach in a service, can preach into your soul. He said, that thirst is only quenched by water. That thirst. See, you're in the heat of a desert, right? And you navigate the atmosphere of it. And although a sugary drink is a wonderful thing um, (laughs) when you're younger than 30, uh, it doesn't hit the spot. doesn't hit the spot. And today I want to talk to you about the importance of navigating thirsts you have that you can't quench the way you're going about it. But that there is a water that quenches that thirst. And the Bible calls it living water. A well springing up into everlasting life. The analogy of water and its use and its impact is throughout Scripture from the Garden of Eden and the two rivers all the way through to the final chapter in the book of Revelation and that great river that runs through the city of Jerusalem into all the world um, coming from the throne of God. In John chapter 19, in describing the crucifixion, 
the same moment is recounted also. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled in that moment when everything was done and Scripture was fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine and vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received that drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. A couple of things there that strike me. Jesus, in his final moments, the final moments of the cross, references thirst. I wanted to talk to you about that. I wanted to tell you that you have a thirst. Now, I know you think that your thirst will be met in certain kinds of ways. You think it'll be, maybe if you could just get that platinum credit card, if you could just promote to platinum status, or is it diamond now? Or is it diamond plus plus? I don't know what the status is. If we could just, if we just you know, if, if you could move into that neighborhood or have that car or marry that girl, then something inside of you will feel right. And Jesus, both man and God, dying on a cross, said, the thing I'm about to do now is to quench the thirst of all the world. And he took this unfulfilled longing we have and felt it himself on a cross. And they tricked him into vinegar and mixed it with water and it was bitter. And the point he was trying to make and, re- and reiterate is that nothing in life from, brought from the earth up, they took it from, with a stick from the earth up, They took it with a stick from the earth up and tried to meet a heavenly need, but it was Jesus on a different kind of stick touching heaven that came from heaven down that met the real need. And Jesus said, you gave me bitterness, but I have heaven's sweet water. It is finished. In one sense, the it is finished is that heaven's work is finished. And in another sense, everything man tried to do was also finished. You took me, you stripped me off my garment, you beat me, you nailed me to a cross, you crucified me to my death. And even in my thirst, you gave me bitterness and you thought I would turn out bitter because of the things that have happened to me. So what's happened to you? And you thought I would turn out bitter, but it is finished now. And by the way, you're finished now also. And I I think maybe also, uh, I can't help but wondering, and I'm perhaps elaborating here, but I think I've got a license to do that. I'm Greek. (laughs) can just say in the Greek. Maybe the devil also needed to hear that. Have you ever told a naughty child, that's enough? I think we're finished now. I think heaven said it is finished. Whatever is needed is done. I think God said to man, I think you're finished now. You can, you've done all you know. And I think he looked a little further past the crust of the earth into the metaphorical hell and said, that's enough. You're also done. This idea of um, bitterness and sweetness and quenching a thirst has some remarkable examples in the Bible. One of the most Notable for me is in Exodus. Exodus chapter 15, uh, I think I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says this, 
Exodus is the book about the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going into the promised land. Therefore, it's called Exodus. They exited one place and entered another. And like everybody here, at some point you have to exit your broken life and enter your biblical life. Everyone has to have an Exodus. Everyone. And uh, if you don't, you land in a lot of trouble. But it says this, they were on the journey. Oh, they were on the journey in a desert. Uh, uh, that you'll see is apropos to my story at the beginning. And they got thirsty. And then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness. And you know, they went three days. Funny that. Funny how God keeps adding reminders in the Bible. This thing you're going to do, it's going to take three days, but the answer is going to come on the third day. It's just a little picture. I'm working with a plan here, is what God's saying. They uh, it took three days in the wilderness, found no water. And then when they came to Mara, they could not drink the water because it was bitter. See, stuff happens to you. Even on a journey, going towards a good thing, bad stuff happens to you. You intended good things. What happened to you? You were, you were into church. You were into God. You were into your marriage. You were into your stuff. You were into this country. But stuff happened and you got bitter. It was undrinkable. And life can become like that. And um, as happens when people get bitter, they grumble. You know, the source of your agitation is not the person you're agitated with. The source of your agitation is this thing of an unquenched thirst. It manifests in anger or in loneliness or, and you know, and you're, you're upset, you know, well, the church didn't call me or my best friends abandoned me or I didn't get enough likes on my TikTok dance. While China is watching, I don't know, I don't know, I just said that. Um, it's not that, it's a thirst you keep trying to fix with Sprout. <laughs> and I just lost my sponsorship there. <laughs> but it's only quenchable by living water. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And Moses cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and said to him, you take that log and you throw it into the water. And the water became sweet. And the Lord made for them a statute and a principle that day and they tested them. And then they came to Elam. Pastor Brian will know about Elam. His church was called Elam. And then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water, more water than you would need, and 20 and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by that water. And you know, it's not the first time Moses had a problem with water uh, in the wilderness. Some of you will know that there was a time he took a different kind of a stick, the stick that man used to feed Jesus bitter water, and the stick that God told them to throw in the water to make bitter water sweet, and the stick that struck the rock that made water come out of it, and the stick that parted the Red Sea, all these things are the cross. Even in the most famous psalm, if you've never been to church, you know this psalm, because you went to high school, I, I think. You look like you've been, you dress like you've been to high school. 
like to thank my stylist for my appearance here today. Did not choose this outfit. <laughs> Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you're with me, for your rod and your staff, more sticks, they comfort me. <laughs> Moses, what's in your hand? It'll become a snake, it'll want to bite you, but don't worry. This stick I have, you'll pick that up again and nothing will happen to you. You know, you have to quench the thirst and then you have to go through life immune to the bitterness and the venom of your enemy. The snakes, the snakes still bites. That story is not just an Eden story. The snake still bites and you're still losing your blessings. And I wanted to remind you of the importance of having our thirst quenched in the right way. I'll read this verse in a minute, but I, I have three minutes. I'm very excited about that. I'll read this verse in a minute. When Jesus finally dies, completes the decision, and may I make a point? Jesus was not killed. Jesus is not the victim of a conspiracy or a plot. Jesus offered himself up as a sacrifice. Pilate didn't kill him. The Pharisees didn't kill him. The soldiers didn't kill him. He'd still be there ruling the universe if he didn't offer himself up on a cross. And if we're going to say somebody killed him, then we must look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I crucified him. But he lays himself down. He lays himself down. Uh, the soldiers aren't sure if he's dead or alive. They take another stick, this time a spear, and they pierce him. And blood for the redemption of mankind flows and water for the quenching of the human condition flows and blood and water flows. Now some of you, well that's very rude and I pointed as well. My mother would be angry. Some of us, it's better. Some of us, we're okay with the blood part. Jesus saved me. We aren't good with the water part. You're not drinking from living water and you're substituting it with other kinds of drink. Be not drunk in wine. Wherein is dissipation and debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You, 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 because there are saints who are still thirsty. Because they, they, they got the blood right, which is, I, I am made new. So the blood, blood of a new dad goes through my soul, a heavenly dad. But they don't get the water part right. So what happened to you? Well, I'll spend the next minute telling you what can happen to you. That this hindrance, the hindrance of a thirst, can be quenched. And it really doesn't matter your status, male or female, young or old, 
every tribe, every race, every language, every education, it really doesn't matter. Equally thirsty and the solution is equally quenched through the well of living water in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter five, from like the most serious translation of the Bible, the New King James Version. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who called you. Paul's worried. Don't let your life be drained from you. Don't let it happen to you. Run well. First Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us even the devil will try to hinder you. I wanted to come to you, Paul said, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. We are held back by our hunger and thirst. We're held back. We choose badly. We get into relationships unwisely. We spend crazy all to meet a hunger and a thirst that cannot be quenched in that way. It just can't. Solomon said, I have increased in wealth and with it, I have increased in trouble. <laughs> it's just not gonna, it's not gonna work that way. So the hunger and thirst must be quenched another way. Matthew chapter five, verse six says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What you didn't realize was going through a desert or wilderness or trouble or inadequacies of some kind, that was, that was God's plan to make you aware of a hunger you needed to solve. Don't get bitter, get better. Don't get bitter, get biblical. Don't get bitter, become bold. You're supposed to go through life with a bit of hunger and thirst. It's where the motivation comes from. It's what you're chasing to meet it, that's the mistake. If you chase after righteousness, you'll meet that hunger really well. And that hunger is supposed to be there. I get frustrated by people who seem not to have a hunger for anything. Let's be honest. Get a bit of hunger in your, I mean, not, not you know, not McDonald's type of hunger. I mean, if you're not hungry for your dream and you're not hungry for a better life and you're not hungry to make a difference, you know, to be honest, it's a bit limp. I'm getting a bit aggressive now. I think I'm hangry. That beautiful combination of both anger and hunger. But you need to, you need to get going. But, but don't go in the wrong way. And that was the point Jesus was reminding us. So then the cross is the, is the, is the stick or the, the log that is thrown into bitter water. The church, by the way, is that cross thrown into the bitter water of society. We can make it sweet again. And we should, you know. And so we must be healed and we must be agents of healing. So John 19 on the crucifixion ends like this. Is that rain? I'm not sure. It sounds like something. Oh, it's machines coming on behind me. I thought, how nice would it be if it rained while I preached on quenching thirst? That would be lovely. 
John 19 says this, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus aside with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who did it saw it and gave a testimony and his testimony is true. It stood out to him so much, the soldier, this atheist soldier who pierced him, that he said, I can't believe what I just saw. I, I want to remind you that um, it is in Jesus and in Christ alone that that kind of thirst is quenched. And when we uh, represent what we're going to represent now, a visual reminder of an eternal story, I wondered if you would take a moment and reflect on your own obedience in your heart. I think you need a good drink from a heavenly well. And if you're here today and you have never actually, personally, deliberately crossed the line to being a follower of Jesus Christ, then the answer to that is very simple. You will literally say in your heart, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take over. Be my master and saviour. Forgive me for my sins. Help me follow you. Amen.